You're listening to The One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm Sarah Hendricks. We've been celebrating the nine-year anniversary of The One Thing book with a look back on some of our favorite episodes throughout the years. And no celebration is complete without Jay and Wendy Papazan. As we know, you can't focus on your one thing without reflection and goal setting. And if you're in a relationship, whether romantic or a business relationship, getting alignment with your partner is extremely important. In this episode, Jay and Wendy share how they've been setting goals for years and how you can apply these simple practices to your own relationships, even if the other people in your world aren't goal setters. If you're interested in setting goals with your partner, be sure to mark your calendar for the 2022 Couples Goal Setting Retreat on November 5th and 6th in Austin, Texas. Tickets go on sale in a few weeks, but if you want to be the first to know when they become available, visit theonething.com slash events and click join the waitlist. Here are Jay and Wendy Papazan with proven practices for setting goals as a couple. So with us, we have Jay Papazan and Wendy Papazan. Hi, guys. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. thanks for having us. Thank you. Our, our pleasure. Why do we start thinking about our goals for next year now? Well, so it's funny. Anna Kruger, hi, Anna, made a comment. October 1st equals January 1st. So my wife's in real estate, and I know a lot of the people here are in real estate. The activities that you're doing today to create business won't even show up till next year. The bigger your world, the earlier that starts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm curious, what did your journeys as as goal setting together look like? Well, Wendy gets the credit. She's the one who first invited us to take a goal setting. You want to share that story? Yeah. Well, I think Jay and I have always been, um, we've always set some goals together. Mm-hmm. And then after we had children, there was just less time to really think about it and spend time on it intentionally. And and then honestly, as your world gets more complicated, you really need to be more intentional with what you do and, and sort of plan it out. And so that first year, our kids were pretty little. I think they were maybe like one and two, two something like that. And I was a stay-at-home mom, you know, just was probably with a lot of time on my hands, right? And uh, so I suggested to Jay, I said, hey, let's just take a weekend together. And I downloaded all these different questions from the internet and pasted them all together. And I said, let's really do a deep dive into our life and look at where we want to be. Right. So that's, that was the genesis of it. I think mainly to get away, but then, you know, the weekend turned out to be super powerful for us and set the stage for a habit that we've been doing for over 13. Probably it's going on 13 years, years. if not 14. Mm -hmm. It really depends on the origin date. We were so sleep deprived back then with two small kids. (laughs) It's hard to remember. Yeah. I remember thinking I was in trouble. She's like, I got this long list of questions. I wanted to talk about our marriage. And I'm like, oh God, what's happening? What did we do? Um, so it was a little terrifying. And I was really nervous going into it because I wasn't sure what we were going to find out. Yeah. And sometimes having a framework, and she provided it that first year by having questions that we got to answer together. The question's always uncomfortable, right? Um, how do you feel about our romantic life right now when you have two kids under two? Well, not great, but we weren't talking about it. So it gave us a chance to talk about things. And, you know, we have a date night now. There are things that come out of those conversations that are true gifts. Also, so, a weekend away helps with your oh, yes. marriage. Yeah, getting yeah. away from the kids. Yeah. Um, the retreat part of it is very important. You're not being 
you're not having to stop your goal planning to go mow the yard or whatever. But it was great. It was great. It forced us to kind of have some conversations that we've been delaying or or avoiding. And the benefit of that is we got to find an answer together versus just kind of hoping it would magically appear. So mm-hmm. I think somehow having a framework with this intentionality behind it made it easier to, to ask, ask and answer some of the questions as yeah. opposed to just having dinner, sitting on the sofa and being like, hey, how's how's our marriage doing? Yeah, in the middle of date night. Let's talk about finances. Yeah. A little weird. Yeah. Um, so it started with that rough framework of questions. And we, as we wrote the one thing, we added to it every year. It kind of organically grew into the process that, you know, Jeff, you and I now share. Yeah. So fast forward to today, walk us through what your goal setting retreat looks like. So I'll start and you tell yeah. me where I got it wrong. Talk about last year. Well, last year was really fun because we went to Nashville. We took what would have been a business opportunity, um, got invited to be on the uh, a podcast, uh, Entre Leadership. Entre Leadership. And so we're like, okay, well, we have an opportunity to go to Nashville. Let's just make that our retreat. But I'll just say, in general, the framework is we want to get out of the house. And so night number one is the night before the goal setting part. We or in a hotel, like we've done it, like literally finding a cheap one here in Austin. So we don't have all the expensive travel, but we're also out of our house. And the night before we have a nice dinner together, it's kind of a reward, let's get away. Mm-hmm. And we start soft talking through like, what is it we want to have on our agenda tomorrow without really working? And we might have a notebook, but what's on our agenda for tomorrow? Do you want to talk about travel? And we talk about some of the fun stuff. And then we wake up the next morning, we have our laptops, whatever materials we need. And we start working through our agenda. And at a broad strokes level, it's we check in on our five-year goals mm-hmm. as a family and as a couple. Like, where do we want to be financially, spiritually, or physical health? Like the seven circles in the book. Uh, we try to check in on those. And I'll tell you, the key relationships, we've broken that out. Like, what do we want to have happen for Veronica, for Gus, for your parents, our for children. my parents? Well, it's parents, too. We oh, talk yeah, about I mean, your I'm, sister. I'm just- telling everyone who are. Oh, those are our children, obviously, if they don't know. Mm -hmm. And we just work through that. And then based on that, we try to set very clear goals for the next year. And as we teach people, we kind of start by like, where where are we going on vacation next year? Block those things on the calendar first. Oh, that's really fun because we both love to travel. We save that. We're like, okay, we did all this work and then we get to talk about vacations. Yeah. And then we work through all the other, you know, the first time we did it, it felt like a lot of work. It was a lot of work the first time. Now we know what we're doing and we walk in with a little bit of prep work already done. We show up kind of already with our thoughts and it's about just getting on the same page because sometimes we have goals like Wendy does a thing. Um, it's one of the third weekend in January. You've been doing a race with your friends. Mm-hmm. You've been going out to West Texas and doing this 10K. Is it a 10K? Um, with some Trail of, running. Trail running with some close <laughs> friends, but it's also... A girls get away that happens to fall on the weekend that I like to take the kids on. uh, We go to an adventure in San Antonio around a gaming convention called PAX. And it was something we did together. But then we decided, hey, this will be a chance for dad to be with the kids and for you to be with your friends. But that became a discussion point. Um, We got to talk about it before it happened. So I wasn't surprised like, well, I got the kids by myself. We knew about it months before. Yeah. 
Well, and I think sometimes when you're just really busy and blowing and going all the time and you don't always, you think you're communicating things and we both struggle with this, you know, it's like, oh, well, I, you know, it's on your calendar and you accepted it, but it's a complete surprise to you. And so it's just a way to really talk about some of the big things and really just be intentional, present, you know, so often at home, we've got our phones or we've got kids or the dogs, you know, doing something. And it's just really a way to be very intentional and present with each other. And, and I'm hearing, I'm hearing alignment. I mean, I think about so many people that are in relationship or partnership, whether it's romantic or not, staying on the same page is not a given. So we're getting on the same page. We're getting closer together. We're cuddling right now. Cuddling. Now I'm getting jealous. <laughs> there we go. So I, I'm um, curious because I, I'll share this. She hit on a really important point. And Wendy owns a business. I own business with her and with Gary, and I'm also an employee. And so we have the privilege of having two people in the family that are both kind of um, goal oriented. So we didn't fight that a lot. But what I hear from people doing this process. If you're the entrepreneur and the other person is not the entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are always bouncing off the walls with energy, right? They've got that new idea and they are, I don't know, maybe a little impulsive. They're going to drive things. The other spouse can feel like they're just getting drug along. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a huge gift if you're the entrepreneur to share your vision with that other person so that those trips to for learning or that new expense is not something that's just coming in out of the blue. Now there's more context and you're not explaining the weekend that you're inviting 10 other entrepreneurs for a getaway or whatever. Like we just hear these stories and the, the supporting spouse, right? That's supporting the entrepreneur just feels like they're a rag doll. And this takes a that out. And it also gives them a chance in a calm, unemotionally charged environment to talk about their needs. Mm -hmm. So I just think when you talk about alignment, um, depending on how the, the couple is set up, it is incredibly important to get alignment so that one person feels like they have a voice in the relationship. Mm -hmm. One, I think people also process things differently. Like if you're the, the partner who's quick to process, you're always thinking ahead and maybe the other person lives more in the present moment. And, and honestly, I, even though I've been someone who's, who, who is achievement oriented and I've done great things, I never really thought of myself as a goal setter, honestly. Hmm. And I think we've both uh, over the last 10 years, we've be, just become better and better and better at it. And that's just a byproduct of doing a lot of goal setting. And so just that person who's more of like in the present moment living there, it gives, if the, the framework of the whole weekend gives them time to like unfold things in their mind, right? It's like, I know I'm going to be doing this. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to go with it. You know, and then you've got that whole day of all the questions and then really the next day, right? It's really that even that third day where you're making some decisions and deciding what you want. And so just that kind of extended framework, as opposed to like a conversation where somebody's like, cause I know like, let me just give you an example. Like Jay's when, you know, Jay likes to go to the movies a lot. And so he would always ask me, Hey, let's go to the movies. And, and because he's so forward thinking by the time he's asked the question, he already has like three movies picked out and he'll just be like, boom, boom, boom. Like, which of these movies do you want to see? And because I'm not there, you know, always thinking about the hit movies and things like that. I always felt like, Oh, I always have to pick this movie right? Because he's right there and he's doing it. And this framework allows that person who's just maybe 
has isn't always thinking about it to to take the time and be intentional and and really process it. So. Well, I think you, you, you're leading to a really interesting. Movies on a retreat, though. No, we're not, and that's not what I meant. That was just an that's just an example of Jay's like always thinking ahead. Like yeah. he's a very he's a visionary yeah. person. Yeah. He's always you know a lot of times I'm like just be here now at the table with us, um, and I feel like I live more in the present moment, even though I am a goal setter now. That sure, it's just yeah. It's what you said. It's how you get alignment, and it happens in a in a controlled environment. It's it's not uncommon to see one partner be that future forward goal setter and then to have the other person be in the present doesn't identify as goal setter why do you think that is yeah i have a theory right i think a lot of times when you it could be a little bit of nature right one person you know came into the relationship already predisposed but you think about division of labor right and how that works in a healthy marriage this person cooks and the other person does the dishes or you know, you handle this and I'll do the checkbook. You tend to, by repetition, right, get better and better at the things that you do more often. Like, you're really good at booking travel. I stink at it, right? Because when we get excited about trips, part of the fun for you is you're going out and actually doing all that stuff. So if it's naturally fallen to the relationship instead of it being a partnership thing, that one person is doing the goal setting, they are gonna be better at it. And they'll actually see it has their responsibility and the other person because they're not exercising those muscles may not feel as competent and feel, might feel a little overwhelmed but i'll tell you this i i can tell you definitively because i'm an english french major i am a little bit goal driven but i've learned these skills working with gary it's a it's a skill it's a muscle the more you do it the better you get at it and every year even if our life gets crazy i feel like the process gets easier because we've been practicing it for so long Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I also think just opposites attract, right? So that's just part well, of it. Well, I'm going to argue, let's argue it right now. I don't think it's a pure nature thing. I don't think people are born to be goal setters. No, but I do think that some people are forward thinkers. Yes. Like they're kind of visionary and they're always looking at, and some people are just more like content to live in the moment. I agree with that and, completely. And I would say that's actually how you and I are. And I think some people out there who know me or would be surprised for me to say like, Hey, I wasn't really a goal setter. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my, um, one of my mottos was, um, you know, like variety is the spice of life, live in the moment, like all of those things. And it's just been part of our journey through Keller Williams, through the one thing to really understand like what, what you want matters and the way you get there is through, is through goal setting. Well, then we were saying the same thing. What yeah. I didn't want someone to hear is because I didn't show up naturally this way, it's, it's somehow out of my reach yeah. or I'm going to be at a deficit. Yeah. You may start off having, I mean, I have to learn how to be better at the present. You've learned, I mean, it's, I think it is something that it is learnable and that people can get there faster than they think. That's what I'm wanting to make sure people hear. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready to eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. 
And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. What language would you offer to somebody who's sitting, listening to this and going, okay, I love the idea that you don't have to be born a goal setter. It's a skill that can be learned. And I desperately want my partner to go on this journey with me. And I have no clue what to say to them to make them interested. How do you phrase it in a way that that person's going to go, oh, that's what's in it for me? Well, I think you have to sell the benefits and you also have to give that permission, that person permission to live out their hopes and dreams. Because a lot of people, like maybe one, especially if someone's like a real driver, a real entrepreneur, the other person might might be very content with being the support person in that role. But yet at the same time, they still have their own hopes and dreams. And um, just giving that person saying to that person, Hey, you know what? I love that you support me and I appreciate that about you. And I don't need you to be like me, you know, because I think most, most people are like, well, I definitely don't want to be like that. Uh, and yet saying, I want you to live your best life as well. And, and what does that look like for you? And for most people, Honestly, most people have never asked that question of themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're inside of Keller Williams, we get beat over the head with this, like live your best life and, and what can you do and take control of your life. And most people just aren't raised that way. And so giving them permission to share their hopes and dreams is is really powerful. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think some people haven't been taught that they have agency and giving them permission to strive and fail and but to set goals that's how you get there right um yeah i love that that's a good answer yeah and i don't think you have to be you know maybe some people uh are worried that they're not going to meet the goal or that they're going to have to be you know married to all their goals for the rest of their life and you know i will tell you that often jay and i look at our goals year over year. And there was something that felt very important, you know, last October that we put on there and it was going to be a priority and just it, that never happened. So it clearly wasn't a priority and it's okay to be like, well, obviously we didn't dedicate any time to that. So. Well, setting goals doesn't make you a robot. Um, it doesn't guarantee you those goals, right? But it does make the things that you want a lot more likely because now you're at least planning for them. You're trying to make time for them. And in the sense of a couple's retreat, you're trying to make space in the marriage for them together. Yeah, and, um, I, and I think it's especially important on the issue of finances. You know, most divorces happen because couples aren't on the same page with finances. We haven't been taught about finances and we don't really have the big picture in mind, right? Like we don't really say, hey, we wanna be at this place when we're 50 or when we're 65, or we wanna be able to give this much money away. And getting simpatico on those things is, is gonna help, it's gonna help your financial life, but probably also your marriage too. Yeah. Yeah. What have you found as some of the top reasons that one partner might resist the idea of setting goals? One, I think that some people are already overwhelmed. Yeah. And so why in, the, why in the world are we adding to the pile when we're already in over our heads? Um, so I think that 
part of the goal setting process is identifying what the new things we're saying yes to. But you know this, Jeff, and I know you talk about this all the time in the podcast. But what happens when we really say yes to something? You say no to everything else. Right. And so, like again, you're you're agreeing. Yes, we are adding to it, but that by by default, that means what are we setting aside? What are we not going to say yes to so that we can take this vacation? Right? Because these things take planning. And if one person isn't on board, they can absolutely undermine that, right? And that they can go out and spend the vacation money at Target or whatever, a bar or whatever that is, because they're not on the same page, they're not aligned, and that creates resentment and that creates a cycle. And this is one of the ways you can kind of get out of that. Um, but I do think some people are just overwhelmed. They're like, okay, the idea of adding to this is just too much. Yeah. And I also think just this idea of creating space for it and time for it is huge. Like that might be the biggest thing that the retreat does is it allows you just to focus on, hey, really, what do what do we want? Thinking space, you know, so many mm. uh, entrepreneurs, they're just doers and they're just going, 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 and they never really stop to think like, oh, okay, where am I going with this? They're just, they're just doing. And so creating that, the actual time, the actual time for it is a big part of it. Here, here's a lens, I, kind of running with this. I'm just kind of having this a fun aha while we're here. You know, it might be that people are legitimately overwhelmed and what they really need to do is hit time out on their life. And based on how they're investing their time and their energy and their money, can we just agree what our actual priorities are and why we're doing what we're already doing without even saying yes to one new thing? One of the gifts of this is you do get a chance to look at where you are and you get to ask the question, did we actually say yes to this or we just get sucked into this thing? Because it can be an opportunity to just do an overall assessment about what has to be said no to without even saying yes to anything else. Um, we've done that because we wanted to say yes to things like vacations mm -hmm. and to building wealth and investing. But I don't know that that's absolutely necessary for this to be successful. It could just be a joint assessment of, hey, how are we spending our time? How are we spending our money? And are we doing that right? Do we want to shift those priorities? Yeah. Yeah to to really say you know what are the things you care about you yeah. know what is what what what's going to bring you joy this year and giving each other permission instead of doing all the things that we think we're supposed to do all the time i i will say there's there's when you said just part of it is getting away and having the space to ask the questions and search for the answers i mean jay knows this because i do a 411 with him every week but for the past two years something that has shown up at the top of my 411 on a personal side has been a weekly meeting with my wife just so that we're on the same page around money, around the kids, around the calendar, all those things. And it's a challenge. I have, for the past two years, I have not been on track with as many meetings as I wanted to, because if you're just relying on, oh, let's get the kids down and we're going to do it before we watch TV, you're relying on your willpower, which is gone by the end of the day. And we've had to get very intentional. What's our model for getting out of the house, getting the kids taken care of so that we can be in a, a good environment where every single week we can actually talk about our life and our marriage and make sure that we're growing together. And it's, it's definitely something you have to focus on and make a priority. Yep. All right, we're going to cheat. You're gonna, I'm going to interview you for a second because you're actually on track. And Wendy threatened to punch you in the mouth if you didn't get on track. So <laughs> I love that. And you created a great hack with Amy about how to have this meeting. Just share really quickly what your solution was for finding space with two small kids to have a weekly meeting. 
sure, we go to the gym on Sunday mornings. The kids go to kids club. Amy and I go sit out by the pool and open up the computers and line our dominoes up so we get productive and we get tan. There you go. <laughs> so you had an existing expense, something you were already investing in the gym. The gym provides for a space of free childcare. You took advantage of that to get space so y'all could do your adult self-care. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's really committing to the work. Like I think about, you know, we've been, we've been doing a weekly date night for, you know, 10 plus years. We've been over on 500, 600 dates, right? We think about the metrics of our business, right? We think about our numbers all the time and our profit goals and our revenue goals. And it's like, what are the metrics of your relationship? Think back to your experience. I know that a lot of people, they have fears deep down when they talk about setting goals together and going on this retreat, like, oh my gosh, what if, dot, dot, dot. What are some of those things that came to mind for you and that you've also witnessed with others? Well, I shared already. I thought I was just in trouble when my wife invited me on this. And this was her way of breaking to me that she was leaving me or something. It wasn't that bad. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not good. I'm about to get a very calm talking to, but it actually was great. I do hear a lot uh, that people are afraid that they will come together to set goals with their spouse and discover that they both want different things. And my response to that is that's totally normal, right? That we're two human beings and just because we chose to live together or be married together or to be partners in this thing does not mean that we're shackled at the ankle every minute of every day for the rest of our life. It's only natural that Wendy is gonna go and do her trail run with her friends and that I might choose to go and do my fantasy football weekend, right? We're gonna have separate lives together and that's normal. And the challenge is if you don't communicate about that, then you don't understand why that gap is happening. And I've been, you know, you hear about people like, oh, you know, I'm a, uh, a football widow, right? Right. Well, if you had that conversation, maybe that's the only time he's getting to be with his friends or, She's leaving me to go hang out with her friends. Like people can interpret that the wrong way and get the wrong message if we don't actually talk about why that's important to us individually. And when you said it earlier, you, you tell the benefits. And when I get this, we get this, mm -hmm. right? Um, when we get to, there's a reason that personal life comes before key relationships. If you don't take care of yourself, you may not be there to take care of the people that matter most. So it sounds selfish, but some amount of self-care is also looking out for the other people. Because if mm. you burn out, you get sick, right? You'll get worn down. You can't be there to support the person when they need them. Love that. I'm curious, what do you think are, for people who might be setting goals entrepreneurially, you know, they're just waking up and they're doing it based on their natural ability. What are they not doing from a model standpoint that they should be doing? Big hairy question. Yeah. Okay, so we've got how much time left on this? <laughs> Good book on that. I'll, I'll go to what I think are maybe we can talk about. Let's try. What are some of the top mistakes they're making? Right, entrepreneurially, I think that when people step out there, they get all excited. Maybe they're on vacation or it's just date night, and they say, "Let's make this big plan." You use language that they don't know how to have a relationship with their goals. So one of the things in this that's a byproduct of this couples weekend. It's not just a snapshot in time where you say, let's go do these things. You walk out with a framework for how to continue having conversations about them. And so, I mean, I always am willing to demonstrate but right here in my notebook, I've got my 411 and underneath it, I've got our 
five-year goals. And that way, like they're always with me. If we need to talk about them, they're never they're in my backpack. And at least once a month, we kind of settle down and ask, how are we doing? And I think this year we both had a lot of struggles. I got moved into a new job, went from like seven to 34 employees. You had several of your team members take new opportunities. We moved. I had two surgeries in 12 months. I mean, we've had our share of twists and turns. And I mean, we were like nightly going on walks and revisiting our priorities. Um, So having a framework that you've agreed upon, man, that allows you to keep the conversation going. Um, And that to me is like, if there was just one thing that people did besides go and get on the page, is make a commitment like your weekly meetings with your wife and how you've had to hack that with small kids. How do we keep this conversation going? So it's not just that great weekend where we thought things were gonna change. And and I would just and I would just say that these are the habits that we've built up over, you know, the last 15 years. It's not something that is gonna come naturally to you overnight necessarily. And this even the 411 hat, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily have the same kind of level of intensity with the with the 411 that Jay did maybe until I started my real estate career, which was about 10 years into that. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's really just I would just say, listen, this is not a it's a journey, right? It's a journey. It's not a destination. And yep. don't beat yourself up if you're if you're you know, like I, I literally hear you saying that all the time, Jeff, like just don't beat yourself up like you guys are in a way better place than you were last year. And I can personally attest, you know, it's been fun to watch Amy's journey, right? Because when we're beat over the head with this all the time at Keller Williams at every training, it's all seeped into us, into our, you know, kind of consciousness and our partners don't get the benefit of that. And as someone who was married to someone who was inside of Keller Williams for, for 10 years before I joined, you know, I would hear some of it and I didn't really start to adopt a lot of these habits and models until I joined KW because it's very foreign. And, and so just for those of you, we're, we're throwing a lot of terms out there. Jay and Wendy both mentioned 411. If you don't know what that is, it's a tool that gives you clarity on your priorities, which if you go to the one thing.com, that's with the number one in the URL and you click on free stuff, you can check out the 411 there. You can also ke- check out um, some of the questions that Jay and Wendy suggested in this, which is the kick-ass guide to your couple's goal setting retreat. All that's available for free. So you guys can get that there and, and get started. Cheryl asked an interesting question, which is... Um, how do you handle being a husband and wife team where there's struggle with who ultimately is the leader? And, you know, a lot of people have separate careers, but how do you deal with this when you're in the same boat and it is literally sink or swim? Well, so Jay and I don't actually work together, although we own a lot of businesses together. Uh, so we we are very complementary in our strengths and we've never we've never actually tried to work together, but I, I think it could work out. Maybe. Maybe. And, I like being able to come home and say what you do today yeah, versus knowing that. Yeah, me too. Uh, but at the same time, what I've heard from couples who do work together, and it's very common, is to is everybody, you know, everybody needs to understand who their role is. And if you've got mm-hmm. two strong people that are maybe running your your business, um, that's probably a recipe for disaster. You know, I don't really know too many companies where there's not an ultimate person in charge. And I don't know how you how you go about picking that person, you know, and I think that would be hard to say, but but if you're staying in your own lane, right, every single day, I think it makes it a lot easier. I've heard people, um, they have separate offices, they don't 
work side by side uh, because I think everybody wants to come home and feel like, oh, I, I, I want to hear about your day and I want you to be a husband now and not my, my not my partner or I don't want to have to hold you accountable, all of those things. So. Everything you said is true. And I'll just echo, I think what works in business works in life. It's very rare that you see a co-CEO situation work. Um, not only are the two CEOs confused about whose job it is, um, but so are all the people that report to them, right? Who's actually making the decision? Do I go to Jay or do I go to Wendy? And so I think that what you were saying, clearly identify what's your role in the business, what's my role in the business. And the most successful couples, I think about the Locans, right? They've clearly delineated the parts of the business that they're both in charge of, and they're both powerful leaders. And there are examples if you're paying attention to how this works out, but understanding your role, understanding their role and honoring it. I get to be a partner in Wendy's business, mm -hmm. uh, but I have to first show up as her husband. Mm -hmm. And I have to, she has to ask me for coaching about her business. And otherwise, I, you know, I might be a successful coach and divorced, right? You don't want that. <laughs> well, Jay's let me fail forward a lot too, which I think is, uh, that's a- that's, I didn't have a choice. Yeah, no, well, I think it's a, I think it is actually you that, and that's hard. That must be hard for you to do because I know that you've given me advice and then I've not taken it. And then years later- Never I, happens, that I, never happens. I've come back and been like, oh, shoot, I should have listened to you back then. And you have to be okay with that. And I think that's- There was that one time you said you were right. That happened once, I'm pretty sure about it. I remember um, that day, it was but a great I, day for you. There's lots of examples in our industry and other industries you can look for it. Just figure out like, okay, I'm in charge. Now just say reality. If you're planning on staying married forever, right? You're, you're committed to this thing. There's gonna be times where Wendy's leading and there's gonna be times where I'm leading. And you have to be in communication. Again, all of this is about alignment and communication. Where are you? And there was a time earlier this year where I could not have made it without Wendy's support. And there was a time this year where I'd like to think that I was also helping her get through the mire. Absolutely. And that was in just a couple of months period. But over the course of our lives, there's going to be times like where I did the checkbook, you do the checkbook. And it can get, as long as you are in agreement about who's in charge of what, and you honor that agreement, then everything's going to work out. You both brought up uh, a magic word, accountability. I'm, I've, I've lived this, and I, I know for, for somebody who hasn't done their retreat yet, and they're going to do it this year, they're going to have these awesome conversations with their partner. They're going to get clarity. They're going to feel this alignment. And throughout the course of the year, going to fall off track. Mm -hmm. And one person might be more committed to that goal than the other and is going to be tempted to be the coach to bring accountability and say, this is what we said we're going to do. We're not doing it. What are we doing about that? Talk to us about permission and accountability in that relationship. Well, I think it goes to, it's really, you know, it's really not about the, it's not, a, it's really not about that. It's not about accomplishing that specific activity. Like that's just going to happen. It's really about reminding them to, of the bigger picture. Like this is what we said we wanted. You know, and that's the nice thing about the, the couple's goal setting retreat is like we can agree on the fact that the, this is where we want to be in a few years. And these are the reasons why. And so just reminding them, like, hey, this is really what we wanted for our life and our goals. And if we don't do these things, then we're probably not going to not going to get there. Like, is this still important to you? So I think it's a weird thing. I don't, I think we can choose to be accountable to each other. I don't think either of us ever gets the right to hold the other person accountable. I know that's playing with language, 
but I can choose to be accountable to my kids. Uh, they don't get to hold me accountable. And I think that's a choice for all adults. And I think there's perspective. Hey, we were, we were saving up for a car. And there's the idea that someone's not committed to it and they're not going to help out in that journey. And they might even actively undermine it. Well, that's a conversation that we need to seek understanding. So I thought we agreed to this. Why is this no longer important? Because the reality is people shouldn't be divorced over a, a Corolla. But they, they probably should think about, is this the right place for me if they systematically are undermining each other's intentions? So let's not make it about the moment. Let's look for the pattern and always be seeking to understand. And so those conversations are not about holding anybody accountable. They should be about choosing to be accountable to each other. Hey, we agreed to this. Help me understand where you're coming from, right? Do, I, do you need my help, right? I would first go there. Then why are you letting me down? And this is advice you gave me because I naturally go to being the person who brings accountability. And I was shocked when my wife did not, not respond well to accountability around a budget. Shocked. She did not love the money accountability. Um, and you just, you asked me questions around how can I support her? Less about how can I hold her accountable, but how can I be a better partner and better support for her, ensuring that we have clarity around where we're going? And Truth is, she didn't want me to hold her accountable. I did not have her permission. Yeah. So that's important for people to know, right? You're on a journey. We've set goals together, and it's about supporting each other. I mean, it's a much bigger than this year's goals, right? Hopefully, it's about raising great kids and having an amazing relationship. It's not about the car or the house. or I mean, those things are important, um, but it's about being connected and being in alignment. And how can we do that? Even if our goals change, because I mean, people change. Of course. Yep. Hey, that's not important to me anymore. I forgot to tell you. Great. Now you know. Well, let's, now, how do we move forward from here? The conversation fixes a lot of stuff. Well, and I would say that um, this is kind of strays into marital coaching, I guess. But one of the things that I think Jay and I have always done is we've put our marriage at the forefront of everything. And we've modeled that for our kids. And my kids are probably scarred because I always tell them like, Hey, I picked your dad, but you're random. <laughs> and, uh, and so your dad and I come first. And, um, and so I think, you know, for me, this is the, this is my primary relationship. This is, you know, this is, this is it for me. Yeah. I've communicated that as well. I mean, we both know if there's a burning building, we're going in to save the kids, well, right? Yeah. But on a day-to-day -day basis, we get to role play what it means to have a a good relationship because this is for a lot of people going to be the most important relationship in their life. So that is a, an important part of our job, I think, as parents too. Well, Liz asked a great question around this, which is what, what are some of the best strategies that you found for being a great husband or a great wife, setting the, uh, the business and the goal setting aside? Two of the habits we've built that I think have been really huge around our marriage, not besides this goal setting retreat, we chose to start working out together in the mornings. And so we get up in the mornings and we work out now with the trainer and those extra time before the kids are away it's funny when you're doing burpees on the mat and the before there's some kind of bonding that happens there i don't know we're both being hazed it's something <laughs> it's something's happening but it's like an extra three or four hours a week where we have a chance to communicate what's happening mm -hmm. and there are a couple of other habits we did you know you were saying for like at least 10 years We've been doing a date night on Wednesday nights. We don't get to go every Wednesday, but we try to make our week revolve around that idea. Um, and as our kids have gotten older, we can now, like, as they're teenagers, we can actually go out on a Friday night without worrying about a babysitter. But that idea that but we, we were- we still go out on Wednesday. Yeah, we still go out on Wednesday. Yeah. 
But we look up and we we're making regular investments of time in this marriage. And that time is space for us to talk. And for a long time there, we, we got a dog. I did not know this was going to happen, but we started meeting in the afternoon to take our dog for a walk. Mm -hmm. And it was more of a, there's no TV, there's no phones, right? We're just out there on the trail with the dog talking about how our day was going. And I think finding rituals to regularly reconnect, have the conversation, have the opportunity for things to surface when they're not, you're not in such a deficit. Yeah. Someone's so angry or feeling so left out that there's too many emotions. I, however you choose to do that, I think that would be a really important part of this. Well, and the other thing that we did was when I was when I was staying at home, you remember when you worked out uh, a little further out, you would call me on the way home and I would do whatever I could just to be on the phone. Because when you have little children, you know, you remember what it was like coming home. You know, I'm like maybe handing a baby off to you and it's just all the things. It's just everything. And if you've got, you know, as the kids get older, there's kids in sports and you there and this and that. And, and so just taking that little bit of, you know, it was like a 15 minute phone call every day on the way home. And I cherish that. Yeah, yeah, I cherish that phone call. You said earlier that maybe you were a stay-at-home mom and maybe you had a lot of time on your hands. I almost laughed out loud because <laughs> I knew you had no time, but you probably had a lot of time alone with your adult thoughts while people yeah. were gurgling and barfing right. and pooping around yeah, the house. A lot of thinking time. Yes. What would you say, to go high level, are the top benefits of somebody doing their retreat? I think uh, shared common understanding of where we're going. I think when we both agree on where we're going and somewhat make a plan on how to get there, it really informs a lot of the decisions that our partners are making all the time. You know, Wendy is social. She threw a little cocktail party before our mid-year event. And I mean, the night before I was going to be on stage for seven hours in front of 15,000 people, we were going to have 150 people at our house. To be fair, I got you a hotel room. You did? You did. But because I understand what you're doing, right, I knew that you were building towards an event, your Amplify event with your friends, that this is part of your business networking. I didn't resent it. And I was like, I was on the fence about whether going and staying in a hotel room. But I was like, OK, thank you for doing that. But we both understood where each other was coming from. And it sounds a little weird. Oh, I'm, we're living in the same town. We're in the same town. And he's in a hotel. Um, why is that? But it made perfect sense because we both had context. So I think that common goal and the and I I'll emphasize again building a way to talk about it right have a relationship with it it just informs it we're not assuming malice right you know I can't remember what it's called um, but it's like Occam's razor it's one of those things but we often um, ascribe malice or ill will to things that are just ignorance you know people will say that dude cut me off. It would take like race car, like, you know, skills to actually cut you off in traffic without having an accident. No one does that intentionally. They do it unconsciously. And I think having this dialogue, this relationship with our goals, we're not making those assumptions when our partner does things that are unexpected or unpleasant. We actually have a lot more context around that. Yeah, well, I love what you said. It's shared understanding. It's a plan to get there and, and building a way to actually talk about your relationship and what you want together. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's awesome. 
Yeah. So for, for, for people, if you're interested in doing this this year, um, if you go to the one thing.com slash training, that's with the number one in the URL, the one thing.com slash training, there's two options on there. First, if you want to join us in November this year in Austin, we're facilitating a retreat for about 300 people. It's going to be at a beautiful resort on the lake here in Austin. You can go to the event section and learn more about it there. And if you can't make it to Austin, we also have an online version so that at a time of your choosing from anywhere around the world, you can just fire up your computer and have us facilitate it for you. And um, it's been really amazing to see the impact that it's made in people's lives, whether it's couples, business partners, teams, and individuals. So one thing.com slash training. So can you give an example of, of how you structure your goals around finances and investments? One of the benefits we got is I got to participate in researching uh, the millionaire real estate investor with Gary. That was pretty transformative in how I viewed money. Spent a couple of years just reading finance books. And I got a big, for a French English major, I got a lot of education fast. But one of the things I walked away from Gary in that relationship was this idea that if there's only one thing that we need to focus on for our finances, it's our net worth and mm -hmm. having a goal around it and making that a positive number and a growing number. And Wendy and I, like, it, there's a longer story there, like, you know, Mo Anderson making us do that exercise where we found out our net worth. Right. There's some, you know, different dominoes that lined up here, but we both agreed to set some goals around our net worth. And I will tell you that on a really simple level, um, identifying your net worth, which is basically adding up all the stuff that you own, your assets, and subtracting all the stuff you owe, your debts, the remainder of that, positive or negative, is your net worth. And act of calculating that number is amazingly educational. You understand that when you buy some things, your net worth goes up. And when you invest in other things, it goes down. And mm -hmm. you start to get smarter and smarter progressively around money. That was really our, our fundamental relationship beyond like, before we knew that, like, how do we commingle our income? How do we like, we had to live on cash for a while because we we're trying to figure out how to live within our budget when both people had the power to go to Target without talking to the other person. Right. And, you know, when you had small incomes, but we had those little things. But fundamentally, it's been the net worth journey. Yeah. And I, I would say it's just like sometimes I because I teach classes now on how to build your wealth and I know what our net worth number is. And I just like I can't even believe it, really. And, and, and it's really, um, you know, because we started out in such a very different place. And maybe some of you are at that place right now. And just understand that your life can look very different in five years. It can look very different in 10 years. And it can look vastly, vastly different in 15 years. And that's what we're talking about here is our 15-year journey of goal setting and looking into our hearts and figuring out what we want and where we want to be and intentionally working towards them, you know, week after week, month after month, year after year. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, wow, here I am. Yeah. Well, talk a little bit about what's happened with hot millionaires in terms of just having people track their net worth on a monthly basis and the shift that you've seen, like in 12 months, what sure. happens? Yeah, I mean the the bigger perspective is we we we'll tell them what that is. Yeah, we we made a goal of as we built our wealth that we wanted to help ten other people. We just set a goal, right? Let's we keep talking about this, right? Let's set a goal to help ten people become millionaires. And we started talking about that, but we had no plan to go with it. I mean, I even asked a friend of mine that I took I borrowed that goal from Ben. I was like, "What are you doing to track that?" And it wasn't really happening. So we came up with a way 
to do that. And that was a monthly meeting where we gathered some like-minded individuals from our teams. And if they were really interested in growing their wealth, we would host a potluck at someone's house every month. And we would talk about building wealth. And the only condition was every month you had to show up and you had to share your net worth. Mm -hmm. And so I think last year was it people's net worth grew by an average of like 4% every month. Yeah, felt like 3.7 something. Which is a lot. Month over month. Yeah, month over month. And, you know, a lot of them weren't even investing yet. Just the act of being conscious of it and knowing they're going to have to report on it. What you focus on, right, is going to improve. And we saw that in spades. We had one person go from negative like 44,000 to positive. We've seen some real transformations um, as people have either gotten out of debt and gotten into the positive or grown their net worths in really tremendous ways. So yeah. it well, works. Yeah. And on Monday, three three of our members um, hit their annual net worth goal, including you, Jeff and Amy, which is awesome. And that's just, that's so great. It's just such a good feeling. Small deposits over time, right? You know, like an hour and a half a month, right? And the time it took to prepare for that can yield really great things. Yeah, think big, think small. Start now. And and I'll share just for, for, I have always known what my net worth was. My wife didn't. And for us, like we do a 411, but on a monthly basis, just to have a tab where we update what our net worth is. And we use Mint as software that links all of our bills together. So it quickly just tells us what our net worth is. But looking at a monthly basis, when it goes up, it feels awesome. And when it slips backwards, all of a sudden you're going, okay, like this is what our activities are leading us toward. That's the facts. How do we feel about that? Based on that, what are we going to do differently? And Mm -hmm. you, you make changes. Yep. Well, well folks, good thing. we make a point of that in our retreats to get people focused on, do you have a budget? Do you have agreed upon where we're going to, where our money goes when we earn it? Because when you mentioned it earlier, um, the number one reason most couple fights is money. So let's at least try to, and you know, act in order of priority. Can we at least try to mitigate the number one detractor from our happiness and make sure that's happening? And then we can focus on the next priority. That's right. It's not that's about right. just being rich. Um, it's about having a rich relationship. Yep. I, I'm curious for those of you who are here live, out of everything that we've covered over the last 55 minutes, what is your biggest aha so far? And Jan, Wendy, you can answer too, because you guys have shared a lot of wisdom. I know Meg, someone pointed out that I make really good eye expressions, and now I'm really self-conscious <laughs> about that. It's the baby blues. <laughs> I, I, says, I need to that. find my Jay Wendy in my life. <laughs> well, come, come meet him, Meg creating metrics for the health of our relationship that couples can get together and talk about this stuff without fighting. Uh, We need to work separately. Currently we're almost together 24 seven. Rebecca says you don't have to keep the other person accountable. Love that. Having a framework to refer to says Elizabeth accountability is a permission versus a right. Love that Rob. Learn how to be in relationship with your goals. That's that's a big one. I mean, when we talk about why we're even in business. Oh, Via, I'm so busted that I'm wearing the necklace I borrowed from you. There you go. When we talk about why we're in business. You guys are distracting me. I'm blushing now. Okay, I'm sorry. There you go. We're, we're great at setting goals, but we're not great at having a relationship with them. We have a sense of what we want, but we don't know the one thing we can do today to be on track. And this changes that. So... Thank you. Um, share your vision with your spouse on a regular basis. Permission to offer feedback and accountability, alignment, and a framework. We need to start tracking our net worth. That's awesome. 
that'll you do that on a monthly basis over the next year uh, that will that can change your world agreeing on one metric to set and track talk about the benefit says Liz folks you nailed it um, and we really appreciate you making the investment of your time in this webinar. And if this has helped you, we will send a replay out. It'll be released on the podcast as well. Please share it. This is, I mean, for, for Jay and Wendy, this is a purpose thing. This is the, the legacy that they want to leave. And it has changed thousands of lives so far. And you have immense power to share this with the people that you care about most. And this is a tool to enlist their support if you're struggling to get them on board. And if you're interested in joining us, go to the onething.com slash training under the event section. You'll see the details for our couples retreat. And if you can't make it, go into the master course section and you can see how you can get the course and have the course facilitated for you or your retreat facilitated for you at a time of your choosing. So thanks so much, folks. We really appreciate you. And we will be with you next month for our next webinar. Have a good one. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Jay and Wendy Papazian. This is a proven model that Jay and Wendy pioneered over a decade ago. And it's brought an immense amount of benefit to Amy's in my life and to thousands of you from all over the globe every single year when we facilitate our goal setting retreat. And we invite you to join us because this framework truly can change the way you view every conversation you have with your partner, whether it be a romantic partner, a business partner, your team, or whether it be a group of friends, because it's rooted in a foundation of alignment. Should you choose to join us this year virtually, you'll think bigger than you may have thought before. You'll get more clarity on where you're going and why you're going there. You'll have a profound understanding of your core values so that the actions that you take are driven by a sense of purpose. You'll fast forward to your future and drive a plan for what's possible. And you'll put a simple plan in place so that every single week you are so clear on the handful of dominoes that if you just knock those bad boys down, it automatically puts you on track for living a life worth living. If you'd like to join us this year, you can go to theonething.com slash setmygoals. The couples retreat is going to be November 14th and 15th. The retreat for individuals and teens will be the following weekend, November 21st and 22nd. And if you have any schedule conflicts, no worries because these will be recorded and you will have access to the recordings all the way through the end of this year. So please don't miss the opportunity. Join us at theonething.com slash setmygoals. If this episode has brought value to you, who's somebody that you think might be able to get value from it as well? Would you consider sharing it with them? And while you're at it, consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time by having a relationship with your goals so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.